talking today about training and teaching and making disciples. I mean, that's what I believe it's a life calling for each of us, you know, that God expects us not to just kind of meander through life and bounce off each wall as, as we journey through life, but to be focused, that we have to be passionate about what we do. This is another little acronym that I have that just I can't get it out of my heart. It's PI. Being passionate about what you're doing, intentional about what you're doing, and excellent in whatever you do for the Lord. And so, you know, I believe that we, you know, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, a realtor or a carpenter or a plumber or a housewife, whatever you are, I believe that, you know, that you, you can bring honor to God if you're passionate about what you're doing, if you're, an inten if you're intentional about what you do, and being excellent, bringing God your very best. And so, you know, I, I believe, I firmly believe, and I've, I've, I've been around, as I mentioned, you know, that whole death uh, kind of like... Um, that little window that just seemed to be just so, so much a part of my life that, that at every turn, death was there. But uh, I believe in, in, you know, going into hospitals, uh, as I, you know, often do, and, and listening to some of the last words of dying people. You know, I believe those are important words. I believe that dying words are important words. And uh, the words that Jesus gave his disciples, I mean, this is the Jesus that they saw crucified. This is the Jesus that they saw put to death. This is the Jesus that they saw put in the tomb with the stone rolled in front. The same Jesus that they came back three days later saw the stone moved. They see the, the grave cloth wrapped up and they see Jesus walking around. How can you not Talk about that. It's just like, you know, it's just like you, you've got to talk about it. You've got to share this. I mean, it's just like you'd be crazy if you didn't. You'd be absolutely crazy if you did not share this. This is what I saw. I saw a man put to death. I mean, I think about it, you know, this morning. You know, I mean, you know, I love my dad passionately. I mean, he was a great man. He wasn't, a, you know, a godly man until he, you know, near, near the end of his life. And he, I believe he received the Lord. But if he were to walk in this room right now, you know, me being at the funeral and and actually doing the funeral for my father, if he were to walk into this door right now, you know how that would blow me away? I mean, it was like, Dad, man, I thought you were dead, you know? And I think the disciples felt the same way with Jesus. We thought you were dead. thought you were dead, but now you're up, you're walking around. And the words that he spoke to them, you know, as he's walking around, and he says to them in Matthew chapter 28, this is after the resurrection. He says, there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And then on another occasion, he met the disciples. Uh, this was toward the, uh, the end of his 40-day uh, his period here upon the earth that he walked among the disciples. And he, uh, this is from Acts chapter 1. And it says that he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. That was the promise of the Holy Spirit, by the way. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So that when they had come together, they asked him, they, you know, it's like, you know, he just got through telling them, when you come together, you know, I want you to go to Jerusalem, you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. It was kind of like, kind of like Francis Chan was talking about. Yeah, yeah, forget that Holy Spirit stuff, but when are you going to restore the kingdom? You know, it's just like, you know, let's get on with the important things. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is the important thing. This is the important thing, that you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you go out from Jerusalem and you start telling people about, about my resurrection and tell people about me and my life and, and how to live that life, how to have forgiveness of sins and inherit eternal life. And so 
it says that um, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. And this is important for us to hear, guys, because, you know, for us to think that we can just go out without the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you know, it won't work. It won't work. It'll fall flat. We need the life-giving. It's the Holy Spirit that gives life to his words. And when we give life to his words, then it's just penetrating. It's just like words that people won't forget. It makes a, an impression on them that days and weeks and months later, you know, you will still be remembering those words, rehearsing those words over and over and over again. And he says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And when they had said these things, they were looking on and he was lifted up uh, and a cloud took him into the, uh, up out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, it was just like, I'm sure that was mind-blowing to the disciples. While they were gazing up into the heaven, uh, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the heavens? This same Jesus that was taken from you into the heavens will come in the same way as you saw him go into the heavens. And so, you know, Paul says in, in Second Chronicle or Second Corinthians, he says, and he's quoting Psalm 116 here. And he says that, I believe, I believe. See, Paul had that encounter of what we call the Damascus Road experience. And he says, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and we also speak. The psalmist in Psalm 116 that Paul is quoting here from, um, you know, the psalmist, that psalm begins like this. He says, the psalmist says, I was entangled. I was, the cords of death ensnared me. I was entangled in the cords of death. And I cried out to God, and, and God heard, and God broke through, and God saved me and delivered me. And so, you know, uh, uh, I, I believe, and therefore I spoke. And so I want you to see that speaking comes and follows on the heels of believing. If you're a believer, then you're going to be speaking about Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. And so I want to just show you what this looks like in a New Testament kind of scenario. Uh, we're going to jump uh, uh, to Acts chapter 13. It says that there was in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, who was called uh, Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord, worshiping the Lord and fasting, they were in this place. The Holy Spirit, notice the Holy Spirit comes and says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work for which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, so the Holy Spirit says, I, I've got work for, you know, for Barnabas and Saul. Send them out. It's easy enough, right? I mean, we, we got the instructions. We got the roadmap. We know what to do. We know exactly what to do. God's laid it all out for us. But it says, notice this. It says, and they went through the region of uh, Phrygia in Galatia, and then they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Listen, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. All right. Made me a little mistake. Let's try over here. And when they had come to Messiah, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. All right, so we try it over here. Spirit says, no, let's try over here. No, 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 you can't go there. And so, and it says in uh, passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. 
uh, a man from Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, um, and following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we remained in the city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there would be a place of prayer. Now notice this. This, this phrase comes up often in this text. A place of prayer. Or we were seeking the Lord in prayer. Now, I want you to get this because many of us would say, you know, I'm willing to go, but I don't know where to go. I, you know, I think it's so important for us to see that here's Paul, the great apostle, not knowing where to go, but he put one foot in front of the other and attempt to do something for God. All I'm saying to you today, if you don't know what to do, just take, put one foot in front of another and step out. I mean, he goes this direction, the Holy Spirit says no. He goes this direction, the Holy Spirit says no. And he's got to be scratching his head. He's got to be saying, God, I know back there when we were, you know, um, in Antioch that you said set apart. The Holy Spirit said set apart Paul and Barnabas. Here we are. We're set apart. And we're trying to go, but every way, every angle, every road, every opportunity seems to be blocked. And they kept pressing in. And I want to just encourage you, keep pressing in. If the door seems to be closed here, try over here. If this door is closed, try for that door over there. Paul is often asking the saints to pray for him that an effectual door would be open for him where he could preach the gospel. And so they go over to Macedonia. They saw a man in a vision and they're there and they go down on the Sabbath day where there was a, a place by the riverside where they, there was supposed, uh, supposed there was a place of prayer. And they sat down and spoke to the women that had come together and one of the uh, women named Lydia that heard them, it was from the city of Thyatira, she was a seller, seller of purple goods, who had been a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And then the following day, it says, as we were going, get, get this, as we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl. And you guys know this story. I'm just going to kind of run through it real quick. They're met by a slave girl that the slave girl kept saying, these men are the servants of the most high God. Listen to them. And Paul realizes that she is speaking not by a godly spirit, but by a demonic spirit. Uh, he commands the spirit to come out of her. And her owners, the owners of the slave girl, recognized that all of their money and, and uh, you know, their uh, opportunity for profit is gone because she can't not, she cannot, you know, uh, tell the future anymore because the spirit has left her. Have Paul and Silas arrested and thrown into jail. And you guys know that story. And uh, we pick up at about midnight. Notice again, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying uh, and singing hymns, and there was a great earthquake. Now, I, want you to, I just want you to see this. There's a pattern here that when Christians come together and they begin to seek the Lord through prayer, God begins to open up some doors. When there's not a door open for you, if you just begin to seek the Lord's face and begin to pray, for, to, pray to Him, He will open a great door for you. You guys know the story how the, uh, the Philippian jailer was saved. 
uh, all because I believe that they were worshiping and seeking the Lord through prayer. Same thing happened in Macedonia, uh, worshiping and seeking the Lord through prayer. So uh, we see Jesus, and I'm going to wrap this up here just in just a sec, but uh, this is how Jesus kind of tells this story, talking about disciples and making disciples. And he's, uh, this is uh, from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 14. It says, And a great crowd accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So we're talking about making disciples. That's what he said in Matthew 28, Acts chapter 1. You know, he's talking about making disciples. So, I mean, how does this, how does this mesh with honoring your mother and your father? Now, Jesus said, I mean, are we supposed to honor our mother and father? I mean, it's, it's, it's first commandment with, with promise is what the word says. Honor your mother and father. But Jesus is saying here, unless you hate your own mother and father or your wife or your children or your brothers and sisters uh, and even his own life. And I know some of you are thinking that's not too hard to do. Uh, but that's the wrong attitude as well. Um, so, but what he's saying is that the love that you have for him, the love that you have for God, remember the great and foremost commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And he's saying that the level of love that you have for me needs to be here compared to the level of love that you have for your wife and your children, your mother and your father. It needs to, it needs to be so much higher so much higher than the love that we have for one another, the love that we have for him and for, you know, for the, to see his kingdom come. And so he goes on to say that whosoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he starts to give these explanations. He says, which of you, or these examples, which of you desiring to build a, tamp, a, a, a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build, but he wasn't able to finish. Or what king goes out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who is coming against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And then he goes on to say that salt is good, but if the salt has lost its taste, how then shall it be salt, or how shall the saltiness be restored? It is either no use for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so Jesus is saying, look, I'm calling you, calling every one of you, but you got to decide what do you love more. Do you love this world more? You, you know, I mean, Paul writing to Timothy says that anyone that desires to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ does not entangle himself with the affairs of this world. And so Jesus is saying, you know, if you, if you sit down, I want you to really count the cost. I mean, are you going to get halfway through this project of walking with Jesus, following Jesus, of being a believer, being a disciple? Are you going to get halfway through and then bail on me? He says, it's better for you to bail right now. Just bail up front. He says, you know, I don't want you to start building and just have you to quit. He says, and I'm telling you right now that it's going to be hard. And then he moves on to the next examples of war. He says, I don't want you to get started. 
He said, there's going to be a battle out there. And I'm telling you up front that it's going to be hard because those that are coming against us are twice as many as those that we have in our own camp. And I'm just telling you that it's going to be difficult. And I want you to look at it and see that. And what that means is that if you've got somebody coming against you, you know, if you're only 10,000 and you've got somebody that's coming against you with 20,000, that means that each one of you is going to have to take out two. Can you do it? Can it? It's two against one is what he's saying. Are you in or are you out? That's what he's saying. You know, just, you know, are you signing up? Because you really, I need to know right now. Are you with me or are you against me? And it's so easy. I mean, we start, many of us, we start this journey in our Christian walk like it is a, you know, a 40-yard dash. And I want to tell you, it's not a 40-yard dash. It is a long haul. And there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be people that hurt you and disappoint you. There are going to be friends that betray you just like Jesus did. Are you still in? Are you still in when you get persecuted at work and on the job and people mock you and ridicule you? Are you still in? Are you in? Church, I'm talking to you. Are you in? I want to know who's in. All right, all right, good, good, good. Some of you are. We're going to get the rest before the service is over. All right, so, and then he says, he concludes with this illustration about salt, and he says that salt is good. I've tried to tell my doctor that day after day after day, that salt is good. It says so in the Bible. And he says, cut down on it. Take your high blood pressure medication. But, um, he says that salt is good, but if it loses its seasoning or its saltiness. And I begin to think about that this morning. What causes salt to lose its saltiness? Got any idea? How about just being exposed to the elements? Being just kind of left outside. The elements of this world. You know, the wind, the rain, the, you know, the dirt, all of those things. They cause the salt to lose its saltiness. The same is true for us today. The elements of this world, the sin of this world, the pleasures of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the Bible says, will cause us to lose our saltiness. Now, I know that we all want to be salty. I mean, we, all, we want to be right there on the, on the firing line. I mean, you know, when, when you first receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and Paul reminds us of this, or the Hebrew writer, I think it's Paul, he says that, remember those former days when you started out. Man, there was nothing that you wouldn't give up. You were willing to give up your houses and your possessions and everything, you know. And he says, you know, what, what happened? What happened along the way? See, your salt lost its saltiness, and it's not a 40-yard dash. Are you in this for the long run, even if things get tough, even if things get bleak? Remember that song that we used to sing a long time ago? Though none go with me, still I will follow. Are you hanging in there? Are you still following? And I just want to encourage you. You know, in the book of Daniel it talks about the last days. And he talks about a king. And I believe it's a physical king, but I also believe that it's speaking about the Antichrist as well or the spirit of Antichrist, the Bible says it's in the world today, that one of the strategies of the enemy, and this is quoted in Daniel, is to wear out the saints. And I know that many of you are starting to feel like you're worn out, but I want to tell you that today, the good shepherd wants to breathe on you afresh, and he wants to put a fresh wind in your sail, and he wants to re-season you with salt. 
And if your light has grown dim, he wants to brighten your light so that you can face darkness like the midday sun. Amen? Why don't you stand up? I want to pray with you. Why don't you just bow your heads for just a moment? You know, I, I'm going to do this just a little bit different today. I told you that we were going to have baptism, and we'll schedule a date for that. I'll let you know next week or in the weeks coming. But on that day of Pentecost, it said that the 3,000 men that Peter was speaking to, they recognized that they had crucified the Messiah. And they said to Peter and to the other disciples, men, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. It's just that, just like that. Repent and be baptized. Not just say a prayer. Not just say a, you know, a, a little prayer, but repent. Really repent. And maybe you don't feel like you need repenting. I just want to say that if you're doing something, if you're living a life that's contrary to the Word of God in any area, whether it's in a sexual area or uh, integrity area or, uh, you know, just in a relationship with, you know, uh, unforgiveness and bitterness towards someone, if you're living a life like that that's contrary to what the Word of God says, then you need to repent. And if you've not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to, be, to repent, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and be baptized. And you will receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those that are saved. So, just with everybody's head still bowed, I just, I just want to ask you, is God speaking to you this morning about repenting and being baptized? I want you to just raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, uh, listen, you don't have to see me. You don't have to come to me. I'm just telling you, when we have baptism, you need to be there. You know, you can spend these next couple of, you know, weeks or days in the interim just seeking God's face, asking God to forgive you for your sin. And, you know, sin, you know, if you're living a life of sin, I'm going to tell you that sin is not done with you. If you've given yourself over to sin, you're in a downward spiral. And the Bible says that it's the objective of the, of the devil from John chapter 14, that, that, or John chapter 10, that he has come to rob and to steal and to kill and to destroy. He will not be satisfied with just bringing a little hurt or harm into your life. He will not be satisfied until you are utterly destroyed. And that's why Jesus said, I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. And if you're tired of living the life that you've been living, Jesus wants to give you a greater and a better life if you'll receive it. And I know that many of you today, and I would just ask you that just still with our heads bowed and my, our eyes closed, you feel like you've lost your saltiness, I want you to raise your hand. You feel like you've lost your way, I want you to raise your hand. You feel like you're, you're just distant from God today, I want you to raise your hand. You feel like you're not... You're not on the right track. I want you to raise your hand. And I'm just going to give you an opportunity. Our prayer ministers will be against this wall, this north wall right here, prayer ministers. If you guys will just move out. If you raised your hand, I'm just telling you, go 
and let somebody pray with you right now. Just confess your sin. It's, it, it, look, guys, I want to just tell you, look at me for just a second. I want to just tell you that there's, you know, this happens to all of us. We all, I, I do, okay? I just start with me. I lose my way from time to time. And I, the Holy Spirit will speak to me and say, Ron, you need to get back on track. I hope that, you know, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning saying, you know, you need to get back on track. You've lost your way. You've lost your way. And we've got people that want to pray for you to get you back on track. Remember Jesus said that straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leads to life. And broad is the way and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And man, you know, I'll tell you what, every once in a while we're on the wide road. I mean, we're on the huge wide road. And Jesus is saying, listen to me, come back, come back. Get on that straight and narrow path that leads to life. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. God, we pray that your word would penetrate hearts and minds. Lord, as we walk out of this place, God, do not forget us. Do not leave us alone. Do not let your Holy Spirit just uh, give up on us, Lord God. Press in, Lord. We give you permission to press into our lives, Lord God. Father, that we want to be rich in the kingdom of God. We want to be rich toward you, Lord. We want to pour out our lives toward you. We want to you know, give our all toward you, not half-hearted. Do we come today? God, we're coming with an open heart saying, God, here we are. Take us, Lord. Take us and use us and shape us and mold us for your glory and for your kingdom. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's just lift up a shout of God, shout of joy to our Lord. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. I love you.